Welcome to the Arise Podcast, conversations on faith, race, justice, gender, and healing. And I just want to welcome a colleague and a dear friend, Alethea Lamberson. Um, she's located in the Atlanta area, and she gives herself a robust um, introduction here. And I love it because it is who she is. She is about belonging. She is about being with others in their stories. She's about being authentic and true to what she believes. And I'm just so honored to have her with me today. Um, And, you know, it's election season, so we're going to get into it and talk a little bit about that. Um, Belonging, uh, Tiffany Cross from MSNBC, whose contract wasn't renewed. And I encourage you to listen in and with curiosity and you know, and hold space for any kind of resistance you feel and just be curious about that and, and jump in with us. I mean, let's get into it, but um, Alethea, tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do. Um, Yeah, like jump in, like, who are you? (laughs) Who am I? That's a great question. Who are you? Uh, I am a black woman, love being a black woman, proud to be a black woman. Um, Single, live in Atlanta, Georgia, love it here. you know, one of the homes of the civil rights movement. So it's been um, so great to live here. And I I love, one of the things I love about living here is I'm in the majority in a lot of places, which I was not used to prior to six years ago when I moved here. So um, it's part of, I feel like who I am and what I get to experience in my day to day, which is um, refreshing. Um, Yeah, I have served in the nonprofit sector for the last 10 years, uh, specifically uh, in a sports ministry context. Um, but over time, that evolved to getting into doing work around um, training and development in the areas of race, power, privilege, ethnicity, culture, and the gospel. And so um, really, for my own journey, one, understanding of how being a racialized person in a racialized society, what my experience has been. And I I didn't have language for a lot of my experiences until I was probably 27 years old and, and realized that God cares about that, you know? So that was just so new to me. So I feel like part of who I am is helping others understand themselves first and foremost, um, of how they experience the world, how they show up in the world, um, how they navigate the world, and then adding the faith perspective in as well, um, and combining the two. And so that's very much a part of who I am is uh, our history as followers of Jesus in this sense matters, but also who we are as people in whatever place we call home. For me, it's here in the US, um, in Atlanta, Georgia. So that's very much part of who I am. That's the type of work I do. Um, and so now I've transitioned. I'm still in the nonprofit space, but transitioned to a different space and continuing that work. So under the, you know, what the other people call it under the umbrella of DEI, you know, everyone's like DEI, what is that? You know, I thought it was more common. Yeah. I, I say it than people ask me, but diversity, equity, and inclusion. I've seen some people adding the B on there, belonging, which is oh. very intriguing to me. Uh, Brene Brown uh, just has a two-part podcast, uh, two-part series on her podcast that she put out with two women of color. And I listened to part one about a week ago and was like, oh, okay, this is some good stuff for me to think about. So um, so anyway, so that's what the type of work I'm involved in. But it's for me, it's not just a job. It's what I feel like I'm to commit my life to right now. Um, I, I feel very much a, a calling and a commitment to that type of work because it matters uh, if we can see and how polarized just our our country is, right? Not even thinking about the world because then we get into even more matters there. But 
Um, anyway, so that's part of who I am. Um, I live in the context of community. Community is very important to me. So um, it hadn't been prior to 10 years ago. Um, I, I didn't understand the, the value of community, uh, but I, I knew I was longing for it. I knew something was missing. And so I feel like very part of much of who I am is being my, my being connected to community. Um, and I have an awesome community of people around me, both here in Atlanta and all over the country. Um, I feel like when you hear people talk about me, one of the things that they will say is Alethea highly values her people and I do. And so that that's very significant to me, very much part of who I am. Um, and I love being an auntie. I'm an auntie. It's my favorite title. I would probably say I love being a sister and a cousin, a friend, all that, but auntie is by far my favorite title of any title I've ever had. Um, lots of nieces and nephews, um, part of my larger family, not just blood related. Um, but I love, yeah, love those kiddos and get to see my, one of my nephews next week, which I'm really excited about, but that's very much part of who I am. Uh, if you know me, you know, I love being an auntie. So so, some of who I am. I can see why you would want the word belonging in there. Because I mean, yeah. your story is about not only belonging to others, but being belonged to. Yes. Yeah. And I, it's just been good for me to start reading some more about DEIB and just the significance of having belonging on the end of that. Um, because we, yeah, we belong to one another. Like one of the things uh, some of my colleagues that we work together, we say we're better together. And that's part of what we're trying to one, live out, but also help other people understand as well. And so I just love that. I, I I don't feel like I can add it yet. I don't know. I feel like I'm just learning. So it feels weird to be like, yeah, I'm doing DEIB. And it's like, well, I'm still trying to figure out that part, you know? So, but I, the more I read about it, the more I hear people talk about it in their work, the more I'm like, yeah, that actually is a significant part of it. Because if people don't understand that we who we belong to and what, what we're, what, what belonging looks like and how to understand that we're going to miss out on some of those other elements that we're trying to reach people with. So. Right. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, as a Latina, as a Mexican, I'm like, yeah, like if we don't belong, then it just feels bad. Mm -hmm. We see that mm -hmm. play out across society right now. Yep. So yeah. all over for sure. Yep. Okay. Right. Um, so we were talking, you and me were like, hey, I was like, hey, we should do a podcast together. <laughs> and then we're like, what should we talk about? And I gave you like seven things. <laughs> At the end, I was like, well, what about if something comes up? And here we are on election day and you texted me last night and you texted me this story about Tiffany Cross and we'll jump into that. But I mean, how can we even jump into that without saying where we are literally today? And I mean, you're in Georgia and it feels to me like out here in Seattle, Washington, like we are very interested in what happens in Georgia. A lot of people are. Yes, it feels right. uh, reminiscent of t the 2020 election. Uh, again, all eyes on Georgia. It was very funny. I was getting texts as I was going to bed like I'm watching the polling numbers for Georgia from people that don't live here. I said, yeah, I got to stop. I got to go to bed, you know, Um but yeah, it is all eyes I know on us among a few other states as well. But yeah, it's huge. You know, Stacey Abrams uh, running for governor again. Uh, her her race in 2018 um, was wild. Um, and, you know, I still was talking to someone recently and they were like, I was kind of surprised she ran again. And I actually read her post this morning. She posted because people have asked that question. Why would you run again when you have such a public loss? And I love what she talked about, about who she is, where she comes from, her connection to her family, 
uh, when she lost, what she did and why she's running again. Um, she has so much purpose, which I, I love. It's very clear for her. Um, but yeah, it was a wild, 2018 was wild because Brian Kemp was the secretary of state. So he was overseeing the election he was running in, which I, I still to this day, I'm like baffled at like, how is that legal? <laughs> but it is <laughs> apparently it's legal here in Georgia. So um, yeah, it's, we have a, a significant number of major seats up for election actually. So governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, uh, attorney general, and then the like Georgia state superintendent. Um, and so big, big things going on here in Georgia. Um, so yeah, big day here. And I hope Stacey Abrams wins. I voted for her. I, I had like such a warm feeling and smile on my face when I got to vote for her when I went to vote on Friday. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And um, so social media, it will continue to be a buzz as all eyes are on us today and and probably into tomorrow as well. Um, so I know some some of the votes actually in one of our counties uh, have until November 14th to get them in because Georgia is one of the many states that passed a voter suppression bill um, last year and SB 202. And that bill is very problematic. And one of the things that one of the issues in that bill, which we saw in one one of many ways come out uh, just the other day, which the ACLU got involved was there are over a 1000 people in one of the counties that never got their absentee ballots. And they were supposed to because of in the bill, it changed the amount of time that people have to request their absentee ballot and then to get it in. And people, I don't think people knew that, but then what happened was it backed everything up and there's not enough elect, there's not enough officials to process some of the things. And so in Cobb County, they didn't get over a thousand ballots out. And so they were supposed to mail them on Friday overnight. They did it. So the ACLU got involved, sued Cobb County and won yesterday. And so the ballots went out, I think last night overnighted, but they have until November 14th to get them in. So, um, so as I was reading this morning uh, on the So Informed uh, Instagram page, every vote matters uh, because of how close some of those races are. So I'm, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much those votes while we wait for those to come in will affect some of the larger things in, in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I think people from around the country get hyper-focused on what something is something that is happening in another state. And I was mm-hmm. just talking to an elder in our community and we have things that matter in our county. Mm-hmm. In our mm-hmm. state, that we also need to be, we can't just assume because, you know, Seattle's like a blue area yep. or Washington's blue, that it doesn't matter that we don't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, there was like millions of dollars poured in from out of state to run television ads for a particular conservative candidate. And the ad was literally like, the Democrats have opened the border and to, like, there's a picture of a two-year-old getting like supposedly killed by fentanyl. And it's because of immigrants. And you're just like, I was like oh. telling my friend, I was like, that that happened in Washington? And we're like, yeah, like mm. that, not that that situation necessarily happened, but that yeah. the political money pouring in actually happened, mm-hmm. which I think really highlights a lot of why you sent me this article. Yeah. <laughs> because whose voice matters? Whose yes. vote matters? Yeah. Who gets equal airtime? Mm-hmm. Who's allowed to say what they think? Mm-hmm. Who's allowed to push conspiracy theories? Who's mm-hmm. allowed to push voter suppression? Mm-hmm. And whose voices actually get eliminated from the airway? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you sent me this article on Tiffany Cross, and I'm just curious, like, 
how you came across it. Like, yeah. I mean, all over social media. So I think it was on Friday, um, Tiffany Cross, she hosted, uh, it was called The Cross Connection on MSNBC. Uh, It was a weekend show. And I just opened up Instagram and my feed is just filled with people responding and reacting to Tiffany Cross not having, being fired or something. And I'm like, wait, what? So look into it some more and find out um, her contract wasn't renewed, but they MSNBC severed ties with her immediately, which is not common. Mm-hmm. And so social media obviously is in an uproar. So that's actually how I found out about it. Um, just some different accounts I follow. Um, everyone was talking about it. Tiffany Cross is a black woman for those who don't know. Um, and she she held, I think, a significant spot, um, especially in the poli- in talking about politics and things of that nature. And so for her contract to not be renewed, but for four days before the midterms, for her, like immediately her show is just done. Um, it was very problematic. So again, that's how I initially found out about it. I've just um, been reading quite a bit about it. And I think too, for me as a black woman there, Friday was, it was like that happened. And then an album dropped uh, where Meg The Stallion was uh, very inappropriately targeted in the album by um, Drake and 21 Savage. And so I think for me, there was also this other layer of like, first it was about Meg The Stallion. So that's my social media is. And then we find out Tiffany Cross's show, like she's just done. It's like, hold on, what's happening to black women today? You know? So I think it was, it was also compounded in that nature too. But, but yeah, that's how I found out about it was, you know, the buzz on social media. Yeah, what's happening to black women today? What's happening every day? You know, it's uh, I've been thinking quite a bit about this over the last few days. Um, and it's just such an interesting uh, thing to navigate, I think, being a black woman and seeing what happens to black women in media and, and uh, you know, in public and things of that nature. And so there's this like double whammy of what's happening where we're in election season. And so it's like black women save us every right. time. Black women save us. Like oh my gosh, like, we got to get Stacey Abrams in, first Black female governor, like, Black women are, you know, we got to get them out, and they're got to get people voting, and we need Black women, Black women to save us. That's what it's been for the last few years. So you have this happening again now in 2022. Um, and at the same time, Black women are being targeted for for who they are as people, which was what happened to Meg The Stallion, um, or because of, because of how they show up in a space, which is what happened to Tiffany Cross. And so, um yeah it's it's interesting to watch it um very problematic to watch it unfold in that sense of like so you want us when it's convenient Mm -hmm. but don't do too much Mm -hmm. hey tiffany don't be that uh candid don't don't use that type of language you know be careful of how you say certain things but we want you we want you to for so you can reach an audience that our network is not reaching so i looked it up msn nbc Part of the reason they brought on Tiffany Cross, um, she is, I wrote an article that she, her audience was 55% female, 35% African-American. She was targeting a specific audience. That's part of the reason why MSNBC brought her on. So it was almost like, hey, we know people listen to you and people watch you. And so it's going to help us. And that's really what we care about. But we don't want to deal with the heat that comes with that. So we can only handle it for so long. So Mm -hmm. after a couple of years, we'll see you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I feel like the thing that's very common with black women, it's like, Hey, we know people listen to you. We know people follow you. We know that you hold a significant place in society, but we only want part of you. And when we're done with that part, we'll throw it out. We'll, we'll move on. 
And so I feel like, again, that's, that's really what happened. I feel like what happened with Tiffany is another example of that, um, which is, is, is not uncommon. I feel like for the black experience in particular, being a black woman in this country. Yeah. I mean, I read a couple articles and they called her quote unquote far left. I was like, Oh, what is like, what far left about? And I wondered if they needed to mirror the fact that they're, that they're now calling these extreme conservatives Mm -hmm. far right. Mm-hmm. When I started reading what was far left, it really wasn't her views. It was more the way she communicated. Yep. Yep. We're comfortable with her candid observations. Mm-hmm. Which she wasn't actually purporting certain ideologies. It was more like yeah. observations. Yep. So I found that very curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that again happens all the time. It's so I think in we live in such a polarized society right now that it's the easiest thing to do is to pinpoint people. They're either far right or far left, right? There's no in between. Like it feels like you're, you say one thing that has a tinge of what we deem progressive liberal, you know, so far outreaching because it's so counter to what people on the very far side of conservatism would say, you're just deemed like you're far left. And I I don't think that's a helpful uh, thing to do. And essentially, because really look at what you did was, well, what's her ideologies? What is she, what is it that she is portraying or talking about that would put her in this quote category that people are putting her in their reality is, well, that's not true, but it takes some work. You had to read some things to say, is that really true? Because I don't really know. So let me find out. But we don't, we don't know how to do that. We just do a couple of clicks and Someone else told me she's far left. So I just got to believe that she's just this far left person because she had to come back to Tucker Carlson and Megyn Kelly and they're far right. So she's got to be far left, you know? And I think that's just pretty, sadly, very common in our society right now is it's easy to categorize people. And so really it's no, let's get underneath that. What was she actually doing that you didn't like? Mm -hmm. You didn't like how candid she was. You didn't like that she held a spot on a weekend show, the most watched weekend show, and it was uh, on MSNBC, and she's the second most watched weekend cable news show in America. Yeah. Okay? Right. In America, on right. the weekend. People right. got time on the weekends. They're watching TV. Right. She was the second most watched in all of America, in the U.S. And so what you didn't like was she held a significant place in cable news, and you didn't like how she very honestly talked about situations and people. Now, is she, was she kind of brash with her, some of her wording? Yes, she was. I read some of the stuff that she said. I'm like, I would, I, I don't know if I would say that on, on cable news, but hey, we're different people, right? Um, but again, it's like, well, then where does the standard lie? Because Tucker Carlson can be that brash and be that racist and that sexist and that misogynistic. And it's fine because that's just who he is, you know? So it's okay. But if Tiffany does it, now it's a problem that we're not going to renew your contract. Yeah, I, I just have even a hard time. I'm not like, I just feel like Tucker Carlson actually won a lawsuit saying he actually doesn't tell the truth. That's how he won the lawsuit, right? He's like, actually, you can't be deceived by me because I don't tell the truth. So so he gets to stay online. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting. It's not a surprise that he targeted her. Oh, not at all. And it's also not a surprise that he actually carries that much power. Yep. And MSNBC is supposedly more liberal. Mm. Supposedly, that part, right? Supposedly. There's, supposedly, there's that part. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think I just had this thought too, when you're making that comment of um, he wins the lawsuit by saying, Hey, I don't tell the truth, but the power that comes with that. So I was reflecting on, as I was prepping to vote actually last week, I was going back through and actually reading um, the bill SB 202 of what, what the right, the voting laws used to be and what they turned into because of this bill. And then I went through and I was looking at as much research as one can do, right? I'm looking at all the different candidates for all the different things we're voting for here in Georgia. And I found it interesting that several of the Republican candidates voted for SB 202. And I was like, help me understand something. If you are certain there was no voter fraud in the state of Georgia in 2020, why do we need to pass a bill mm-hmm. to secure voting? Mm-hmm. What? I don't understand that. I'm trying to understand if you're saying, I mean, people are saying there was no fraud here. Brad, Ra- Brad Raffensperger, he was like, I will not overturn the election. I will not find you 11,000 votes because it's not true. Our our elections are safe and secure. What he I, said in 2020. Why do you need to pass a bill then to tighten up, to tighten up uh, voting rights if there's no fraud? Because even though they were saying we, we, there's no fraud in Georgia, you still believe the lie that there was fraud in the election and so part of what you did, Brian Kemp, and the power that he ha- has held as governor is, yeah, he doesn't like me anymore, 45, okay, that's fine, but I'm going to pass a bill because I have the power to do that because I want to make sure I get reelected. Even though, I, even though I've said, even though I've said there was no fraud, Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State, said there was no fraud in our election, but I'm going to vote for that bill. Right. And, and so it's, again, it's that point that you made of, the power that comes with stuff like that um, and the and the ability to cling to a lie or just blatantly lie and still win or still have progress forward or still still be able to hold your seat. <laughs> and it's, um, again, that's very common in our country, right? I think it's embedded in the very foundation of this nation. And so, again, it's not surprising. But again, I think that's the part of the historic part that people want to overlook is it's still playing out today. You can say, I don't believe a lie, but actually believe a lie by that your actions that you take. So. And I would even go so far as to say, I, I don't, I don't actually think they, they don't know the truth. I think that's, that's letting people mm. off. The hook. Oh, Whether, for sure. And I, I think they know it's a lie and they're like, but the lie feels good to me. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. So the lie feels so good. And also I actually know my ass is on the line if we do this legal. Mm-hmm. I may not get mm-hmm. reelected. So I have to find a quote unquote legal way yep. to secure votes for me and yep. to eliminate certain populations from the likelihood that they can vote. Yep. 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 Which is some of the things I think Tiffany Cross could highlight, would yes. highlight around this season. And people did not want the spotlight on Georgia, on Seattle, on, on yep. places where there's inequities, Arizona. I've already mm-hmm. seen theories coming from my own family i'm like lord have mercy have to mute you no yep so i just i think they don't want to hear that so now you just have Tucker carlson right yep yep i mean that's what it is at the end of the day people it sounds good initially but the reality is when you keep talking about it and you keep doing it it's like oh you actually meant what you said in 2020 like that actually mattered like two years later you're still talking about it Oh, we thought that would pass. So right. it was a convenience. It makes us look good as a network. It makes us look good to hire someone like Tiffany Cross, right? 
to bring on like a Joy Reid or a Simone Sanders, right? Like I think about these Black women who have been brought on in particular um, to talk about, one, to talk about the reality and plight of Black people in our country among other people uh, people of color, among other, other marginalized groups, right? So they're they're not just highlighting Black people, it's we're going to highlight the marginalized communities in our nation because not enough people, Tucker Carlson's not talking about that. Megyn Kelly's not talking about that. They're not talking about that stuff on Fox News. They're not talking about some of those things, even on like a CNN or something. And so because you know it will increase your viewership, it's a smart move from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's a smart move. And we have to check our box and say, look, we're, we're more diverse. We're trying to diversify what we have on cable news. But then you keep talking about it and you keep talking about it. And you're like, wait a second. I don't know where we actually weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And we can't take the heat that comes with that. Because part of what Tiffany was doing in her candidness and her brashness was MSNBC, from what I've read, was taking heat because of things that she was saying on air and they didn't want her to do that. And so at the end of the day, you get to a point where you're like, well, we we don't either like that or we can't handle the heat that's coming with that. So, yeah, we'll let Fox News do whatever they want to do. But here we're just not going to do that. We can't handle it. So instead of instead of continuing to work with her and navigate some of that, and even I would say, let her be who she is as a journalist, as an, um, a reporter, whatever, you know, whatever spot she's filling and letting her be that and being able to sit in the tension of the heat that's coming with that. Because the reality is that's, that's part of what is, I feel like as a person of color in this nation is there's, we're going to highlight and being a part of a marginalized community. We're going to highlight the things that people don't want to see that people don't want to talk about that people don't want to hear about because one, especially I can say too, in a marginalized group, but part of there's privilege that I also hold, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's uncomfortable for people, right? I wonder how uncomfortable it is. You know, people are like, oh, well, there's a black woman that's president at MSNBC. You guys are missing the point. It's not just about that. Like, right. it's so much deeper than that. It's so much greater than that, right? But there's a part of it, it's like, it makes me uncomfortable. So I don't want to deal with my discomfort. So I just remove it. I ignore it. Right. I minimize it. And that's part of, I think, what happened with Tiffany, too, is because of the things that she would talk about. I don't believe it's just in the way that she said it. I don't right. believe that at all. That, right. <laughs> that, right. That, that's an excuse to defend a decision. Um, but I think it's because of what she highlighted and what she represented in that space that people outside of MSNBC didn't like it. So then it required MSNBC to do something. And they had a choice. We can keep her and deal with it and deal with the tension that comes with that but we really care about who she's targeting. We want people to engage. We, we need to talk about this or we can do what other people do, other companies, other organizations, other businesses and say, hey, it was cool for a year or two, but you got to right. go. Right, right. And what's your sense? There, She was gaining power. If she didn't have power, there would be no threat. Like, let's say- Not, people, Exactly. There's complaints because there's power in her voice. And I think you know that experience, likely. I know that experience. When yep. you begin to use your voice and it carries some weight, then people mm-hmm. are like, oh, like I actually didn't want that. Like, yep. Yep. You would say something and people would listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, I don't think people re- realize that that's what comes with <clears throat> uh, giving someone access to a space mm-hmm. and your motive isn't genuine or right. And you might not even, you might have deceived yourself to thinking that it is, right? Like there, or it was genuine, but you did not understand the layers of that or what would come with that. And then it got flipped really quick because you actually weren't ready for that. And so I don't think people realize 
when you have someone like a Tiffany Cross who's existing in a space where there's not a lot of black women existing and the and the and and her, the ability for her to use her voice in the way that she does people are going to listen to her people i didn't watch her watch her show i just don't watch cable news like that so but i've i've watched clips and things of that nature on social media and i'm like man she got some fire does yeah she got some fire and as a a black woman who i feel like it can engage similarly i might not be as brash but i'm candid i feel like i'm pretty candid i can i hold back at times depending on the context but i, I feel like i've come more into myself over the last few years um yeah people start listening to you and then the people who are in the power positions above you are like wait a second what's happening mm-hmm. people actually like this oh mm-hmm. people are actually supporting her so now because you weren't ready for that because you didn't think about that and because Tiffany did start getting some some power in that space because people were listening to her and people appreciated how she engaged the space, what she talked about, what she sent, what she um, made central. You have other journalists and reporters bringing heat on MSNBC and it's going to be hot for a little while. Right. Tiffany's not going to go away, right? Some, someone else will pick her up and she's out. I saw this morning on uh, Instagram, you know, she's out doing her thing, helping people with voting, you know, making sure people are getting out to vote. And so- but when you've got a Latasha Brown, the you know founder of Black Black Voters Matter, a Jamel Hill, a Simone Sanders, a Joy Reid, you know jumping in quick to say stuff, you're gonna feel that, and that's what comes with it when you want to take that away because you weren't prepared for what that person would represent and what would come with that. That's the consequence of it. But to your point, yeah, she was gaining power. I think that because people listened to her. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, though. She was reaching a group that wasn't being reached, at least on MSNBC. So it makes sense. But if your viewership is up, that means people are engaging for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't yeah. just become the second most watched show in all of America if people don't actually care to hear what you have to say. Right. And and I think that's the thing. Like, people don't want that powerful group in America to have a voice. Mm-hmm. And so it's led, you know, folks like us or Tiffany to find alternative ways to communicate yep and and to go around mainstream media i mean you know you think about this liberal organization and i often think of seattle and i think of that as very similar Mm -hmm. on the outside it's like shiny it's blue it's like we got you and then my friend this elder in the community was telling me when the clan split in oregon the the guy that came up to seattle said well now i can just take my hood off and put a suit on and i was like that's true, right? Because oh. we have this area and in, 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 even in our county where the indigenous wow. lands were taken, um, a close friend of mine had a Japanese family here and their land was taken and they were deported to a camp. And and then that land is like worth millions of dollars, like on the water. Mm-hmm. So whose voices do we remove? Mm. What history has been removed? And Tiffany embodies yep. that, right? Yep. You said as a black woman, she embodies so much of that. And she's one particular race from one particular Mm -hmm. world majority people's group. Yep. And that is scary. Mm -hmm. The truth that she can tell about Florida. I mean, I read it. I won't repeat it here, but I was like, I don't (laughs) disagree. You know? Hey, the truth doesn't feel good sometimes, but truth is truth. So. (laughs) Right. 
And sometimes I think like, I felt when I read that, I was like, man, I wish I would have heard her say it. Like, and I, I'll mm. go back and find the clip just because I think it feels refreshing to hear mm. someone on the other side, be candid about all the BS that we have. Yeah. to invest, Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I can understand yep. why she was the most watched or second most mm. watched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She said things in a way that, um, maybe validated people, but it was it, it refreshing in a sense of that it was just different. It's, um, and I think that's been part of it too, you know, not, I think about some other, like a Joy Reid, for example, you know, different, uh, uh, some differences in how she would communicate compared to Tiffany. But again, like people tune in to, to Joy Reid, you know, mm -hmm. Simone Sanders got her own show. Like, so you see again, this, like the diversity of even the black women that represent those spaces yeah. Um, so I think in, in multiple contexts, it's very refreshing to hear, hear people who are not prioritized, who are not heard from often, who look different and sound different to hear them talk in a way where you're like, Hey, you said that on cable news, right? Right. <laughs> like you're actually going to call it what it is. You're mm -hmm. not going to shy away. I mean, Trevor Noah, I think about him, for example, in the daily show, right? Like, you know, there's a reason people enjoy watching Trevor Noah is because, Again, he's going to talk about things and be honest and be candid about some of those things and say, I mean, this is true. This is what it is, you know? So, um, again, it's not a popular voice from certain people. Right. But let's be clear. She said some of these comments on a separate podcast. Yes. And then she was that part. like, Tucker Carlson's out here spewing garbage every single day yeah. on the platform. Yeah, I heard that from what I read, they the story around MSNBC is that, yeah, that was kind of like, I guess the cherry on top that got her contract not renewed was what she said on a podcast separate. Again, you know, people say, well, she's representing the network. I hear that. Okay. Um, but what I really think it was, was that she did not shy away from saying stuff in response to people like Tucker Carlson and Megyn Kelly, who would publicly bash her on yes. their shows, like yes. publicly. They took Tiffany's name, and drug it through the mud every single time they could. Yeah. And so what I think was, my opinion is, MSNBC didn't like, while well, Tiffany would engage in that. And I'm, and part of me is like, again, hey, people that are being beat down the most in society, we see it happening, but please don't, don't ruffle feathers. Like, don't, don't say nothing. Like, I understand I've navigated spaces being in a predominantly white context where I've been, I've been told to minimize parts of who I am and not show up fully as I am because the what, the people in the room can't handle it. It's They don't know what to do with it. You're going to be viewed a certain way if you X, Y, Z. And so I've minimized parts of who I am to try to be in those spaces without being able to fully be myself. But it's okay for in the predominantly white spaces for the white folks to say and do as they please. Mm -hmm. And I just got to take it. Someone's touching my hair. I just, I'm just supposed to take it is what, I'm what I've been told. Well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm not going to deal with their discomfort. Don't touch my hair. That's part of my body. You didn't ask me, you know, something as, as minor yet very significant as an example again. And so I think it was because Tiffany wasn't willing to be used in that way and to be talked about in the ways that she was being talked about. So in her humanity as a human to say, I will not let you talk about me like that. So I am going to respond to you and you're going to keep talking about me and I'm going to keep responding to you. And I know that you think you can just get away with it and do whatever you want, but I'm going to keep saying it because I am here and I can say it. And I think that's part of MSNBC couldn't handle what was coming back from that because of how she was uh, attacking uh, or responding to other news anchors 
who were coming for her neck every chance they could get, which is wild to me. It's it's just it's wild to me. Y'all weren't defending her. Mm -hmm. I, from my understanding, y'all weren't doing nothing. Y'all weren't saying nothing. Right. Y'all weren't saying, hey, Tucker, chill, homie. Stop mm -hmm. saying that about Tiffany. Y'all weren't saying none of that. So you guys expected her to get on the second most watched show in America and not say anything in response to the stuff that's being said about her. Make it make sense. Yeah, I always have, I struggle like so much with this idea, like on the small level and on the big level of the bully can do whatever and you're never mm -hmm. supposed to respond. Like yep. that just, for me, it's always a struggle. It's a struggle with how to teach my kids how to deal mm. with it, especially when there's no one to go to that can help them out. Yep. It's a struggle with, you know, clients I see like mm. in a system that's going to keep continue to bully them. And, and I see it here. Like, I know some people are like, well, you know, you just got to take it, like you said. And then at what point are you like, yo, this is abuse. Like, yes. This is not just like, oh, you know, you suck. Like this yeah. is <laughs> repeated bullying, repeated mm -hmm. hard behavior towards someone that's abusive and slandering. And you're right. Like, where was MSNBC? Like, that's their mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you don't want her to respond to that, then it's your responsibility to protect your employees. Mm -hmm. So because you weren't, mm -hmm. um, for, to, for me, it's like Tiffany is a human before she is any, before she's a news anchor, before she's a journalist. Like, yeah, she embodies all of those things, but she is a human first and foremost. And so I'm not saying you get on, you get on a cable news show and you just be cussing people out. Like, I'm not saying do that. Okay. Let me be clear about what I'm saying here is um, she, she should be able to respond to the vitriol that's being thrown her way, the racism and the misogyny that's being thrown her way, especially as a black woman in a, uh, space of like journalism and reporting and a news anchor that that's not common. There's not a lot of women of color, women, but then women of color in particular, and then black women. And so you have to, you have to understand the dynamics that are at play there and to expect her to show up every weekend and not say anything uh -huh. and you not do anything to protect her or have her back. I, I think they did her dirty. And at the same time, I'm like, Tiffany, go somewhere else. Right. Right. Cause you will get picked up, go somewhere else where you will be supported, right. where you won't have to show up every weekend and defend yourself mm -hmm. because the other, the people that hired you and supposed to have your back don't. So go somewhere else, girl. Cause you won't right. get picked up, go somewhere else. Right. I mean, I don't want to linger too long on this, but just to even bring up the point of the attack on Paul Pelosi, like the kind of mm. rhetoric from Tucker and these other pundits, like it's actually violent. Like this yes. is not just like a racial slur, quote unquote, yep. just anything. This is actually mm -hmm. firing um, these nationalists to go and take physical action against yes. other people. I mean, we're talking about mental distress and I'm not invalidating that, but this is physically dangerous for people. Yes. Yes, it is. And so his attacks are actually inciting violence towards her body, not just yeah. that emotional, mental, yes. violence, but there's the potential. And I'm sure the very real physical threat to her mm -hmm. and to people like you and me who walk about and tell the truth. And so yep. I do think that we have to stand for one another and it's important Yes. Because the threat is not just, I don't want to say just, but it is mental and emotional, but it also yes. is a physical threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad you named that too. Um, because again, because of, 
because the way of our the way our society is right now, right? It doesn't take much. Like you have someone who who literally said, "You can't say that because I'm telling you I don't tell the truth," and people are like, "And we like watching you, and we believe that you and you just told us you lie." Yeah, like you have to do some crazy mental gymnastics to get to a point of believing someone who literally said, "I don't tell the truth." That's mm-hmm. wild to me, right? But because of because of the way our society is right now, where you're getting stuff, you're hearing so much from, um, we have access to everything, all the sound bites, all the things. And so you're getting this constantly fed in. And so, yeah, Tiffany's having to navigate showing up at work every weekend, right? And saying, okay, here's what they said about me. Here's what I got to respond to. Here's what I prep for. While I'm also trying to highlight what people of color and other marginalized communities are navigating in our political season. Like I got to hold both. It's already distressing. Now I got to hold both of these every weekend. And then because of the things that are being said, and we see the attack on Paul Pelosi, knowing they were coming for Nancy Pelosi, what happened? They were going to kidnap the um, governor of Michigan. Uh, What Gretchen Whitmer, is that her name? Like, because of things that were said about her, people said, oh, we're going to kidnap her. Mm -hmm. So now her physical body is in danger. Right. Because people don't like because she's liberal or progressive. And so we need to take some physical action, not just demean her, because it's not enough to do that. It's not enough to get on social media and say some really crazy things about people. We're actually going to respond in a physical way. And and we're seeing that all over. When you tell a lie that there's voter fraud and people have believed this lie and internalized it, like Georgia and Arizona and some of these other states, like people cheated. The election, the election was wrong. The results were wrong two years ago. So you know what? We're actually going to show up and threaten people at the polls. It happened in Arizona last week. Yep. I'm actually nervous about how what it's been like in, in part, certain places of Georgia today. Right. Because of the fear that is stoked by people like a Tucker Carlson and Megyn Kelly and others. There's so many other of them. But it turns into not just the, your point, not just some emotional and mental distress, but it's a physical. I'm now feeling that in my body and I have to leave my job. I'm going to go vote in person um because in georgia it's really hard to vote with your mail-in because of the the voter suppression bill so now it's like now i really need to go in person because i don't know if you actually get my vote if i mail it in so now there's more potential harm to me as a black and brown person in the state to show up at the polls because i have no idea what i'm going to encounter because a bunch of people believe there was a lie from two years ago and they want to incite violence to scare people it's it's a whole nother layer that's why when we're I love the work that you do and what some of what I've been learning over the last year or so is the body work. Like it's to be connected to our bodies. And I, I can only imagine what it's been like for Tiffany um, over the last year with what she's had to endure in a very public way. Mm-hmm. If you're the second most watched show on the weekend, like it's a very public thing. And then you add in social media and all of those things. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it's been like for her to leave msnbc every day you know uh that she had to go there and just go about her day because people recognize her people know her face they know her voice they know her name um so there's an added distress to that that we hold in our bodies as women as people of color in this very crazy violent society that we live in (laughs) yep i mean honestly right man I mean, I think over the next weeks, we're all going to be holding our breath. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Yep. Yep. I mean, I think what's so telling about Tiffany, you know, 
It's just that it could be any of us. Mm -hmm. And it has been any of us in different systems in different places. Yep. And yep. actually, we know that the truth is you don't actually have to be quote unquote crass to be. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be quote unquote radical or far left. You can actually just say, hey, I think Kitsap County has a racism problem. And people are like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> like, right. Like, or, you know, you know, just what you're talking about with uh, voter suppression in Georgia. Like you can actually say something small that's, you know. Mm -hmm agree on right yep except for dominant culture and then and then that can get you canceled or get you yep. eliminated or get you taken away from a position or power or you're an extremist or etc mm -hmm. yep so that's actually why i wore my um my stay woke shirt today oh, yeah <laughs> i knew we were i knew we were going to be recording so um i had to it's even with that you know it's uh i saw someone on instagram jasmine holmes the other day uh talked about how she gets labeled being so woke, you know, in her comment section or something when she's highlighting history. She's a history teacher, researcher, like that's what she does, right? And she'd be citing her sources, all the things, you know, but she's woke because, you know, she said, hey, don't just listen to this black voice. Let me highlight all these other black voices uh, that talked about slavery. Right. But now I'm woke because I just gave you some history. So uh, we, uh, we joke there, some of us in the comments joking about how we take it as a compliment now. Um, cause that's part of, I think what we do too, I think as people of color is, you know, we take the things and we have to, uh, turn it into some kind of joke or something like that. So we don't take the intensity of, of that with everything. Cause there's just so much of it, but, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say like, man, that was racist. Oh, gosh, you're so woke. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hope i'm not like a what does steph curry do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i night or whatever yep. so you're like what are your takeaways then around this time of year or what are your what are the things you hold on to good question um i think to answer like what do i hold on to i think it's um for me, it's part of it is my faith. Like my faith is what grounds me. My faith is also what puts me into action. And so um, when I think about the scriptures and I think about Jesus embodied, right? Walking this earth, um, what did Jesus care about? You know, the poor, the scriptures talk about the orphan, the poor, the widow, the oppressed, the immigrant, the foreigner, the least of these, like the poor, like all of that's highlighted. And so for me, when I think about election season, um, you know, it's, for me, it's helpful as I'm thinking through who, who's running more and more people are being educated around voting. Right. And so I think the more that people are being educated about policy, about what matters in your local and your state and federal, that more people are going to start wanting to get engaged in policy politics for the good and for the bad. <laughs> um, so mindful of that. Um, but because, because we're learning more and understanding more for me, it's my faith should move me to action in a way that I am able to hold the complexity of a politician and to know that no one politician um, stands for, I feel like everything I have conviction around or what I may believe in, right? So if that, if I hold that view, that means I'm not gonna vote right? because I'm gonna be conflicted about every person. And so for me, as I even just went to vote on Friday, last day of early voting um, here in Georgia, it was, I did my research and for me, it's, man, I want to vote in a way like 
am I voting in a way that's going to center those who do not hold privilege like I do when I think about the people here in Georgia, myself included, right? And so am I voting in a way where I can say like, that person, I don't agree with Stacey Abrams on every matter. Like, I don't co-sign everything just because she's a black woman. I don't, uh, we don't land in the same place in every way. But for me, with the things that she is going after and wanting to do as governor and the power that that holds and who she's working for and her vision, I'm voting for her over Brian Kemp. Because mm-hmm. I don't believe Brian Kemp has the interests of those who are marginalized in our community. The second, there are two trauma centers in Atlanta. Atlanta Medical Center closed last, I think last week was the last day. There's only one trauma center in Atlanta now. And that one had been there forever. And this happened under Brian Kemp. Where the Atlanta Medical Center is, is in the old fourth ward. While it is gentrifying, because what city is not being gentrified right now, it's still, that population, it was, it's an underserved, it's a lower income, predominantly black area. And that closed, that served a significant population of people. Grady is downtown. So now people have to travel a bit further. And so I think about things like that. So Stacey is not perfect. I don't agree with her on every policy and position she holds. But Stacey, to me, I can say, as I think about my faith in expressing that, there are things that she is is going after that I can get behind. And there are things that I can say, I don't agree with her. And I can try to hold, what does accountability look like? So I feel like for me, that's, I'm I'm reminded that um, there's a long there's a long game here, you know. Uh, that um, I can't put all all my my faith or kind of like eggs in one basket type of deal with uh, who wins the election, who doesn't. Um, you know, what does that mean for me? No matter who's elected, like there's a responsibility for me as a citizen, as a neighbor, as a friend, mm-hmm. um, as a follower of Jesus. How do I how do what do I do tomorrow? What do I do on Thursday? What do I do on Friday? What do I do next week? What do I do in the next four years? You know, like those things matter. So for me, I think for me, what do I hold on to to answer your question is, um, did I do my homework? (laughs) Did I do what I needed to do within my conscience and from a, from where my faith grounding me, did I act in a way that I can with clarity say, I feel really good about this decision. Mm -hmm. And I can be really clear on, I don't, I'm not putting any of my value or worth in any political party because I really don't fit in either. And so that's been helpful for me the last few years to understand that. And so how do I live in a way where I vote Mm -hmm. and yet to say, and also say, I don't agree with everything, but there's more here that I can align to than, than in other spaces. So again, I think for me, it's um, my faith is not in a, a politician or a party. And yeah. so I can have clarity around that and some freedom there. And so, um, and then to know there's a responsibility for me after November 8th there and is. make sure I, I, there, I do that. And I, I continue to live in that way. So that's for me, um, is what I, I feel like I've, I've learned over the last few years in this in election seasons. There's been so many, I feel like 2018, 2020 and 2022, it's like this two year cycle of intense 16, 16, 18, 20, and 22, this intensity of elections every two years. So I feel like I've learned quite a bit over, I'm a different, I feel like I engage it differently six years later than I did in 2016. There was just so much I didn't know six years ago and what I put my hope in, what I put my faith in. I feel like it it has shifted immensely. And so I engage my civic duty. Uh, there's, I posted this morning, I got to meet um, Mr. George Sally. He's 93 years old. I got to meet him in Selma, Montgomery, um, where we were together after our trip in August. And, um, 
I posted about that this morning on my Instagram. And I said, on election day, I'm reminded of courageous people like George Sally, who survived Bloody Sunday and marched 50 plus miles so that I could live out my right as a citizen and my engage my civic duty and the privilege I have to vote. I recognize that. And so for me, that's also what I hold on to is as a black woman, I carry a responsibility that my ancestors, so many did not get to, to do when they should have. They had every right as a citizen to vote and they were not allowed to do that. And while that same right is under attack, I still have more access and ability to vote that they did not have, um, that George Sally didn't have, you know, in the 60s that he was fighting for. And so for me, I also carry that with me is to say like, it matters today, but it matters because of what, who, those who came before me. And I want to honor, I want to honor that. I want to honor Mr. George Sally. I want to honor John Lewis mm -hmm. uh, from Atlanta. Like I want to honor a Fannie Lou Hamer. I want to honor a uh, Shirley Chisholm. I want to honor the black women and black men that are not named that I will never know, but who died trying to exercise their right to vote, mm -hmm. even in this very state. And so I hold on to that as well. Like that matters to me immensely um, to not minimize that or overlook that in this time and to know what they were fighting for granted me a right that I should have had. So I need to carry that legacy and say, what is it that I'm going to continue to fight for so that when I look back, you know, people look back at whatever amount of years, whether you know my name or not, I'm a part of that continued legacy of fighting for, for rights that we should have as citizens and just as people. Mike mm -hmm. job. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alethea, as I listen, I'm just aware of the way you have a gift of seeing people and their stories and the mm -hmm. gift that you have to step in with truth and with honor for your ancestors and the work you're called to do now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm guessing that that's part of what you're doing with DEIB. <laughs> like, I wonder if you can own the B and Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I feel that in your communication, like mm -hmm. maybe you don't have the research of the technical term of it, but it is something I experience of you mm -hmm. as a person. And even in this conversation, um, how do people find you? How do they find your work? How do they know what you're up to? Mm -hmm. I know you have your own podcast. I've listened to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, first Danielle, thanks for yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for what you, what you just said. I, um, that's very meaningful to me and I hold that and I appreciate that a lot. Um, I think it's, I think it's really important to name things for people that we may not see in ourselves or that we, I, I tend to overlook. Um, mm -hmm. so I appreciate you. Yeah. Just naming that. So thank you. Um, yeah, I am on, uh, you can find me on Instagram. I am not on Twitter for good reason now, but I haven't been on Twitter. I've been active on Twitter in a year. I took a break when I was on sabbatical last summer. And then when I like tiptoed back in, uh, I was like, oh, I don't want to be here. And so I just deactivated my account though with the new, you know, Elon Musk takeover and the crap show, I'll say, but that has been. Um, so I was like, I don't even want anything represented. So I am no longer on Twitter. I love Twitter, but Twitter is too crazy right now. And um I value my peace. So I'm on Instagram, uh, Leith14, L-E-A-T-H-14. That's my IG handle. You can find me on there. Um, that's really where I occupy on social media. I have a TikTok, but I don't post anything public. It's all private. And then I, I share it from there. <laughs> so yeah, 
you can find me there. And then, yeah, uh, Daniel, as you just said, I co-host a podcast. It's called The Rolldown. Um, it is on, I think, so many different. It's on Apple, Spotify. I didn't even know this, but it's on Google uh, Podcasts, too. I, you know, not many people listen on there, but you can. But yeah, Apple and Spotify, it's there. Uh, season one, we had 18 episodes. I co-host out with um, Matthew Melendrez, one of my dear friends. Uh, the roll down, we say, is a space for people of color to be known and seen and guidance for those in the pursuit of justice. Uh, and we are finally, after a long delay, uh, we are getting going with recording for season two. So be on the yes. lookout for that. Uh, subscribe, download, all the things. We really appreciate it. It's been uh, the podcast has been such a gift for Matthew and I in ways that we did not anticipate um, and super encouraging. So we, we've gotten the texts or DMs. When are y'all coming back? When are y'all coming back? When can we expect season two? So it's coming, y'all. It's coming finally. I actually have things on my calendar this week to record. So yeah, the Roll Down podcast, you can find me there too. Um, yeah, feel free to DM me. I like engaging with people. So yeah, y'all can hit me up. But that's where I'm at. I'm I'm this person listening. I'm like, I want Alicia in my space, working with my community, my business. Mm. You're doing DEI work. So is that possible through Instagram or is there an email that people should reach out to you for? Yeah, I would say right now, just DM me uh, on Instagram. Uh, that way I can, yeah, connect, connect that way. Yeah, I, um, because of where I left, I have more freedom to engage in the work that I feel called to do. And so- I can do some contract work, things of that nature. Consulting is something I feel like I'm I'm really gifted at. And I love helping people uh, see things that they don't see and move forward in a, in a better way. And um, to really understand how do you, do you understand yourself as a person and then as a leader? So if you're you're an individual wanting some stuff or if you're a team, you lead a team and you're just trying like, how do I love my team better? How do I engage these conversations in a way that's meaningful? Uh, a lot of DEI work. Uh, there's actually a book that just came out today um DEI deconstructed uh wow. that I'm really excited to to get into read I saw her on LinkedIn um Lily Zhang I think is I might be I'm probably mispronouncing her last name Z-H-E-N-G I believe um but she is a DEI consultant she talks about how a lot of DEI work people people don't realize the significance of it and they're actually not ready for a lot of what they say they want and so stuff falls through or they they aim for something and so for me as a consultant I want to say what's what do we, what are you trying to achieve and how do we get there? And then I actually follow up and coach people along the way. I love coaching people too. So yes, hire me. I, um, I love this type of work. Uh, got some credentials and I'm getting some more and, you know, just continue, I think to, I feel equipped in what I'm doing too. So yeah, hit me up on Instagram and, um, yeah, we can go from there. Thanks, Alethea. Thanks, Danielle. Hopefully we do this again. Yes, we got to. This was so fun. Okay. <laughs>